The following podcast was recorded live during special programming presented by the Carolina Weather Group Wednesday evening on our Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch pages. Be sure to stay weather aware Thursday and Friday as we'll be tracking severe weather and a flash flooding potential across the Carolinas. And good evening from Charlotte. I'm James Briarton, and welcome to a brand new live edition of the Carolina Weather Group. We are tracking what is now Tropical Storm Sally, which is making its way essentially up the Interstate 85 corridor. It's going to be bringing heavy rains to the Carolinas on Thursday and on Friday, and that's what we're going to be talking about on tonight's edition of the Carolina Weather Group for this Wednesday, September 16th. 2020. We have a full panel. We have guests for you. Uh, we'll be bringing in a meteorologist from the National Weather Service in Greenville, Spartanburg, in just a moment to walk us through a little bit of what they're anticipating. But let's start with our own Frank Strait, uh, who can bring us up to speed right now, Frank, on what is the latest, Sally? Well, Sally, it remains a tropical storm. It's a 45 mile an hour wind centered. Uh, West of uh, Dothan, Alabama, and uh, currently uh, looking at a satellite picture of uh, Sally, showing us some still some pretty intense uh, cloud uh, tops, uh, very cold cloud tops, indicative of uh, some very strong thunderstorm activity uh, around the center and off to the north and the east. Here is the uh, current forecast track from uh, Sally, showing it heading northeastward uh, toward the Carolinas and uh, poised to bring a lot of rain to us over the next couple of days. Back to you, James. Uh, thank you uh, very much for uh, that, Frank. And uh, that's right, we're going to be looking at quite a lot of heavy rain. So let's bring in Robbie Monroe. He is a forecaster, again, with the National Weather Service, Greenville, Spartanburg, in Greer. They cover upstate South Carolina, a little bit of western North Carolina, even as far east here as the, the Charlotte area. So, um, Robbie, this is James in Charlotte. We got you on the phone here tonight. We appreciate you calling in. How are you this evening? Doing great. Uh, great to be here. Uh, thank you very much. So tell us, can you can you walk us through a little bit of what your forecast office is calling for right now with regards to your area and what we can expect to see when the post-depression uh, Sally gets here? Sure. So uh, we're looking at uh, rainfall uh, and associated flash flooding and river flooding as our main concerns with the redness of Sally as they move through the Carolinas. Um as we are looking at right now with our forecast, we're expecting pretty widespread amounts of four to six inches in and about the I-85 corridor, which, which includes Charlotte, uh, further to the south, where we might see actually a few strong to severe thunderstorms during the day uh, into the evening tomorrow, further south from, say, Elberton up to uh, Monroe, we could have uh, localized higher amounts of six to eight inches, possibly even a little bit more than that. Uh, and I will say the, the, that whole area I've described, and e even up into much of the foothills and mountains of western North Carolina, mainly along and south of I-40, roughly, is uh, in a flash flood watch for that very reason. Can you tell us a little bit, um, for anyone who's not familiar, about what the criteria is for a flash flood watch and what people can then anticipate tomorrow as this begins playing out? Sure. So, uh the criteria for a flash flood watch is when we expect uh, rainfall of a, a certain amount, usually on the order of two to three inches uh, in any given hour. 
Uh, and really, we, we try to focus on the impact. So when we have a flash flood watch out, we think there's a pretty good chance of flash, flood, uh, flash flooding in the area, which could include uh, flooding of small streams, creeks, rivers, roadways. Um, and really, flash flooding is one of the more deadly types of flooding. Um, and in fact, with the, uh, some of the localized amounts of six to eight locally higher amounts of rainfall, uh, life-threatening flash flooding is possible for some of these areas. Robbie, uh, Scotty here in the foothills. One thing also you guys have been highlighting, uh, live here in Western North Carolina in the foothills and the mountains, is the threat for landslides. So could you talk a little bit about that as well? Absolutely. So uh, as you guys are probably familiar with, it's been a really wet year already. And so uh, on top of uh, relatively high water tables, Anytime we get uh, rainfall amounts approaching five inches, when we've seen a very wet time frame, uh, isolated landslides become that much more likely. Um, and we've actually been in touch with uh, some of the land, landslide professionals uh, over uh, in North Carolina to kind of collaborate some of this, uh, this background. Robbie, it's James again. I'm wondering for folks who are listening who live in this area, are there things they should do to prepare? Are there things they should do to react uh, if they find themselves in a flooding situation? Sure. So it really depends on your situation. Um, one of the best protective actions you can take with most weather hazards is just to avoid the hazard altogether. So if you live in a relatively high elevation place that you know is not prone to, to flooding, uh, and can can afford to ride out the storm, it's best to just stay put for these things. Um, I, it's also highly recommended to follow uh, any kind of instruction from local officials, emergency managers, who can take this uh, more detailed weather information, apply it to the, their local knowledge to the area. Um, uh, yeah, that's some of the, the some of the best advice we provide. Robbie, what what? does it look like if you can give us a little peek behind the curtain at the national weather service office what goes on during an event like this how are you guys tracking it sure so uh we use a lot of the same tools and strategies we do for weather day to day uh which includes uh 24 7 uh forecasters on duty two or more um we collaborate with neighboring offices neighboring centers to uh, really try to reveal the best of the science and how we can best communicate that to uh, you know, the public and our partners. Um, I would say the one thing that does change during these higher impact events is usually more of us get involved. So you'll see more people on staff, uh, more collaboration, um, and really just, uh, you know, just kind of leaning on each other to provide the best forecast possible. Robbie, I have one question about the landslide concern. Uh, how great do you think that risk is, and uh, who would you say would be someone who needs to be concerned about that? Sure. So the greatest risk uh, would be the, the, the intersection of the greatest rainfall over, over terrain, uh, which looks like right now would be the southern mountains of North Carolina, especially into the South Carolina mountains, where we could see on the order of four to locally six inches. Um, and uh, in terms of people who should be most concerned would probably be the people, uh, most people are probably aware if they're on a, a steeper slope or nearby areas that might be known for uh, landslide concerns. Uh, and in some cases, uh, people who might be a little bit more further removed uh, from uh, major roadways, maybe they have access concerns. Even if it doesn't affect their household them themselves, maybe a road has been blown out before or maybe that's a concern of theirs. So it's maybe something else to just be wary of. 
Uh, Robbie, this is Evan in Asheville, North Carolina. As post or as currently tropical storm Sally nears the area, it's expected to weaken to a post-tropical depression. Are there any wind impacts that we're expecting uh, across your forecast area? So uh, typically the, the winds we're expecting, you know, mainly only gusts to 20 to locally 30 miles per hour. That wouldn't really produce much in the way of impacts. But since we're expecting so much rain to loosen uh, area soils, um, we would probably expect to see a few down trees and power lines. But by far, flooding uh, is the main concern with this system. Thank you. One, uh, thank last, you. one last question for me, Robbie. Uh, a lot of weather um, followers tonight watching on the uh, Facebook Live, and we'll be listening to the podcast. If uh, any of those folks encounter flooding and they want to report it to you all at the uh, Weather Service, how can they do that? What's the best way? Sure. So uh, probably one of the best ways that we're pushing is our social media. We have both Twitter and Facebook accounts and check those regularly. Um, so feel free to, to chat us up there. Um, we also have a public line that you can look up online to give us a call um, during uh, regular business hours as well. And uh, of course, any kind of uh, reports of damaging or severe weather is super helpful for us providing better services to you all, uh, to the public and, and all. So, um, yeah. Uh, Robbie Frank straight again here. I got one more question for you, and uh, this one about the uh, severe storm and the tornado potential. Looks as though that's mainly going to be off to the south and east of your area. Uh, is it going to affect any of the GSP area, like uh, potentially uh, the far southeastern part over towards Charlotte, or is it going to stay off to your south and east? Uh, yeah, so that's a challenging question. Uh, a lot of it's going to end up being related to exactly where the uh, the low pressure system associated with the remnants of Sally end up. Uh, right now, it looks like most models take that more into the Midlands of South Carolina, which protects us from kind of that front right quadrant, so to speak, of the, of the system, which is most favorable for severe thunderstorms and especially tornadoes. Um, but any jog to the north uh, could produce uh, more concern for our area. But like you mentioned, there already is at least some concern for our far southern tier. Um, I will note that some of the convective allowing models do show some uh, worrisome looking cells moving into our area. So it's, it's certainly something we're aware of and we are staffing up for accordingly. Very good. Hi, Robbie. This is Zach from Nashville. Um, I was just curious, are there any concerns about river flooding for um, the particular region around uh, Western North Carolina and the Piedmont region? Sure. So uh, the, the, the two rivers of greatest concern, so I guess the, the short answer is yes, we are concerned. Um, many rivers are expected to make it at least into action stage or where you get uh, water flowing just above bankful, uh, which can have some low end impacts. Um, the couple of rivers we're particularly concerned of, uh, for are the Upper French Broad over in Transylvania and Henderson County, which is forecasted currently to go into minor flood stage, uh, as well as the Saluda River down in Anderson, Greenville, and Pickens County, which is currently forecast to go into moderate flood stage. Uh, and as you guys are probably familiar with, um, oftentimes the river flooding uh, can be a day or two later after we see the heaviest rainfall. So even though you know, maybe skies are clearing and that kind of thing. That's when we could possibly see some of the greatest river type impacts. 
Robbie, that is uh, excellent advice, uh, especially when it comes to the fact that we'll be holding on to this rain and letting it run off for a few days. We appreciate uh, your time uh, this evening dialing into the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, please thank everyone in your office for all the work that they do. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of this rain event. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks for covering the storm. Thanks, Robbie. Uh, Brad, let me bring you in real fast uh, because I think you uh, also kind of hit the nail on the head this afternoon uh, when you were talking about the different threat types with the storm, the tornado versus the flood. I mean, what what cards are on the table here for uh, from your perspective in Charlotte uh, and across the region? Yeah, I think uh, you know, Robbie was right there when he's talking about, you know, by far flooding's our number one concern. Um, you know, typically we would be worried about some wind with a tropical system. And while I do think there's an isolated chance for tornadoes, when you look at the numbers, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like the flood threat's like 50 times higher <laughs> than those other risks. So you got to prioritize. It's not that we're discounting the wind and tornado threat. It's just the probability of being impacted by those other two is much, much smaller um, than the flood threat. And it's such a widespread flood threat. It's not like it's going to be isolated. You see that swath of like three to six inches. It's, you know, let's say that shifts north or south 25 miles. Um, it might change the location, but somebody's going to get absolutely clobbered with heavy rain. And to me, the thing that's striking is the time frame. Um, that's all going to fall in like less than 24 hours. And in some cases, it looks like it's fallen in about 12 hours. So, that's a lot of rain in a very short period of time. Uh, I think the one thing that works in our favor a little bit is uh, Duke Power has been great in our area of lowering all the lakes. I was looking at Lake Wiley and Lake Norman. Um, they've got about three feet, three and a half feet of capacity. Um, so that's good. And we haven't had a lot of rain in the Piedmont in the last 10 days. So we're pretty dry. So I think this initial rain will actually help us out a little bit um, and soak in. But um, I just did a, a stream earlier tonight, and one of the things I was saying was, you know, we're going to have light rain, light and moderate rain almost all night tonight through early tomorrow. That's probably going to tally up to an inch or two. And then if that, that main ball of rain, which is near the center, um, kind of breaks off and moves up here, that's like a two or three inch per, per hour rainfall rate in there, falls over that area that got light rain for six or seven hours, then you're starting to talk about that flood potential really ramping up. It might be one of those things tomorrow where we're sitting around in the rain going, yeah, this isn't so bad. And then this heavy rain pan comes in and all of a sudden, boom, you know, all heck breaks loose and we've got water rescues and stuff going on. Hey, Brad, one thing you were talking about, it's been dry in the Piedmont. Um, but as you have covered up here where <laughs> I live, the Hickory Morganton Lenore area, oh. I'm looking at the, uh, the Southeast climate map right now, 55.43 inches of rain yeah. already in Hickory. Uh, almost 52 inches in Morganton, 49 in Lenore. So that oh. foothill area, although it may not get the six, seven inches of rain, three to four inches up here could still be a big deal. Yeah, that, it's crazy the difference from the Piedmont up to there. And uh, I was actually talking about this today when some one of my producers asked about, you know, the river flood threat. And I said, you know, the concern for the rivers is if we get that water up there where you guys are up in Burke, Caldwell, Catawba County, the area that's been clobbered all year, that tends to be more of a lake and Catawba River issue. Um, in Charlotte, we're really worried about urban flash flood, you know, because we're such a flash flood prone city. Um, Charlotte is a lot like Austin, Texas, if you've ever been down there. Um, there's just creeks everywhere, you know, so, um, and we've got a lot of new development, so that runoff is quick. But yeah, it's crazy, Scotty. I mean, that Hickory Unifor area 
it's the amount of rain this summer. It was just insane up there. And then you come down to Charlotte and we were actually a little bit dry this summer. And I think between Charlotte and Lincolnton is kind of the line where you go from below average to above average rainfall. And that's only about a 25 minute drive. So I hope the rain, like I said, I hope that heavy rain band doesn't shift up towards you guys, because not only would that be bad for you, that would be really bad for the Catawba River Basin, um, which eventually then would come down our way. Uh, that's uh, Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich, WCNC Charlotte. We also have Tim Buckley, Chief Meteorologist uh, of WFMY in uh, Greensboro. Uh, Tim, we have on the screen right now uh, what uh, some of the graphics you've been putting out uh, earlier. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you're expecting in the triad? Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. So here in the Piedmont, you know, it's kind of similar to what, what Brad was saying and what Robbie was saying over in, in the upstate. I think we're all kind of in the same boat here where this storm kind of like a winter storm almost. They always hug the 85 corridor some way. Um, that's the way it's tracking here. And part of the reason is, you know, I've been describing it to my viewers as like a one, two effect. We have the cold front coming in and we also have this tropical system that's getting sucked up into it and pushed along. A lot of times these fronts can accentuate or enhance whatever you want to call it, the rainfall. Uh, we've seen this with many other tropical systems. Um, and with that, we really think that there's good potential here of everybody seeing widespread two, three, four, even five or six inches of rainfall. And I, I, I often think people may not have a good idea of what that means. So I was looking up some numbers just in, in terms of rainfall perspective for our area. So here in Greensboro, if you look at PTI, we've had one day this year with over three inches of rainfall. Uh, we've had only four days with over two inches. So tomorrow is very likely going to be our wettest day of the year. And if you look historically, we've only ever had five inches or more of rain in a single day, just three times. If you expand that out to a two-day total, maybe there are 24-hour issues here or there, there's only been 22 times. So this is pretty rare stuff. If we get five inches of rain, that's a big deal. Now, we have been dry this month so far, but it's been a wet year, and there's only so many places to put that water, especially in urban areas. So here in Greensboro, we know our trouble spots. We're going to be watching Latham Park. We're going to be watching Buffalo Creek. These areas, and everyone who you know, lives in any sort of small town, they all, you all know you're flooding trouble spots. And those spots that have trouble flooding, they're probably going to have trouble tomorrow. We're really highlighting that 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. time frame, starting tomorrow afternoon, going into the evening and overnight. That's kind of when we get the wallop of the heaviest rain. Um, but if anything, it looks like the models might be starting to speed it up a little bit. Um, so that Friday is mainly a dry setup. So hopefully we can kick it out of here pretty quickly. Um, but it is going to be ugly. It's just kind of how ugly will it be? It's going to be pretty ugly with that rainfall coming up tomorrow. Scotty, I think you had a question. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Uh, let's, I've got two screens working here. Uh, you were talking about that. You guys have not been as wet there in the in the triad, but... Uh, it seems like the Greensboro to Raleigh corridor, when you see these heavier rain events, I mean, you guys do see a lot of flooding. Uh, what are you telling your folks tonight, um, you know, in the triad there from Greensboro, Winston-Salem, all even over towards the Raleigh area uh, to get prepared? I mean, I'm sure uh, here in the foothills, we've started to see some leaves start to come down, maybe uh, some uh, things you can do around the house to, uh, to keep your, your place as dry as possible. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, at this point, right, it's already dark and tomorrow morning is already going to be wet. So um, 
you're not out of time, but you are going to get wet if you do these preps tomorrow morning. But, um, you know, Brad had tweeted the other day, really good point, clear out the gutters, the downspouts, the storm drains, those kind of things. If you have drainage problems, you want to set yourself up to be in the best position possible with that rain coming down tomorrow. So that might still be a good thing for folks to do. But the biggest danger with flash flooding is just people getting caught on the roads in bad situations. So when it's really rough in the late afternoon and the evening, right around the commute, um, if you can avoid driving, or especially if you can avoid the typical trouble spots that you know in your community, um, I'd recommend doing that because nine out of 10 times the, the injuries, the fatalities, or, or just the water rescues that we see are cars driving into the water. And everyone always shakes their head. That could never be me. That could never be me. When you're on the road, sometimes you get put in these tough situations where you got to make tricky decisions. And sometimes you make the bad one. So the easiest one is just to not be on the roads if you don't have to be when it's really coming down a lot. And it will be coming down a lot tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, tomorrow looks to be a good day to work from home if you can. Well, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking, speaking of that, uh, I've seen Union County, uh, North Carolina, uh, they've determined a virtual learning day tomorrow for the potential flash flooding. So uh, mm. Tim, I'll, I'll kind of piggybacking off your uh, tweeted, I think a couple of days ago, where we may not have any more snow days with virtual learning. You know, now this flooding problem has uh, has uh, caused Union County schools and North Carolina, at least, to uh, go to a virtual learning day tomorrow before the potential flooding. So. Certainly a good idea. And, and one thing we'll be watching here in the Piedmont, too, most of us should be north of the center of circulation, but you know we cover all the way down to Montgomery County and certainly folks in the Sand Hills and farther east, they're gonna really have to be on guard for tornado potential. Uh, and it might not affect very many folks, but you look at those soundings down there in South Carolina, right along the Sand Hill counties, they're pretty gnarly with a lot of spinning in the atmosphere. So there's probably going to be a couple of spin up tornadoes across the South Carolina, North Carolina area tomorrow. So we'll be watching it. I don't think it's a big threat for the triad, but as you go farther south and east, that does become a big concern. Yeah, I agree with that. I was looking at some of those soundings uh, for Wilmington and Myrtle Beach and uh, Charleston, and they look pretty impressive. If, if the things pan out uh, midday tomorrow, the way they look on the models now, we probably might even see it bumped up to enhanced. Uh, it looks fairly impressive down there to me. Yeah, Frank, we always see that with uh, all, all the, the energy up the Gulf Stream. Anytime we get this tropical feed yes. that comes across that, it just, the whole Wilmington, Cape Fear area, it turns on like a light. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, it gets, it gets really gnarly out there. A lot of uh, rotation over water, water spouts or tornadic water spouts that run shore and right in through the Cape Fear River, even all the way up to Cape Lookout. I don't think we get that far with it, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, let me go ahead and put the uh, SPC outlooks for tomorrow up on the screen. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, I'll, I'll try to paint this picture for you. But as uh, the panels and a guest were just explaining, you know, we have a slight risk, a tier two out of five, uh, ranging from as far to the west as I guess you could say South Charlotte uh, down through Columbia down towards Augusta Georgia down towards uh, Savannah and then up along the South Carolina North Carolina coast as as we were just explaining to you but we'll break this down for you too here's a look at the uh, the tornado threat a five percent chance right of of seeing a tornado in about that same general area and these numbers guys are always so low right when we're talking the tornado threat it's two five ten you know in extreme cases it could be a 30 or 40 or something like that but I always tell people, hey, if I told you you had a 5% chance of winning the lotto tomorrow, you'd probably buy a ticket. 
So uh, do uh, certainly keep that in mind. Uh, but uh, as, as we've been mentioning, not a whole lot in terms of uh, the wind threat that is relatively low and not a whole lot in terms of uh, the hail threat either because this is really going to be quite the soaker uh, bringing in all those heavy rain again with the potential as that circulation is coming through that we could see uh, some of uh, some of that rotation and uh, we wouldn't be surprised to see a tornado warning uh, or two. I don't think it'll be anything like we saw with Isaias coming ashore as a hurricane and in that northeast uh, quadrant. So, you know, if there's a silver lining here, it's that Sally is going to be uh, post-tropical uh, depression at the at the most or, or maybe even you guys think phasing into remnants, I think, by the time it makes it all the way through the Carolinas. Am I looking at that forecast cone correctly? Yeah, I think so. That's the way it looks to me. And uh, yes, I hope it's not like Isaias with the tornadoes. That was that was wild that evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. And, and James, um, just for folks that are watching this weekend, for most of the Carolinas, things look to clear out really well. And we get a nice cool shot of northeast wind. So we're going to have fall settling in behind this. So it Including won't, it won't pumpkin be- spice lattes. That's right. Pumpkin no. spice is back on the menu. <laughs> no. Uh, Ryan is watching on our Facebook uh, page uh, this evening live with us. Uh, we appreciate uh, you uh, watching the Carolina Weather Group, uh, Ryan. He's asking, will there be power outages, tornadoes, uh, winds, et cetera? But I want to really, I guess, hone in on, on the power outages. Uh, maybe, Brad, I'll throw this over to you because I'm going to segue this into a question of my own. Uh, you've also been watching the cleanup from Hurricane Laura and the power outages there. So uh, let's first, uh, that's a double question, a double header. First question is uh, power mm-hmm. outages for the Carolinas tomorrow and and what are you seeing elsewhere across the country uh, with power in mind? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there'll be widespread power outages. As you saw earlier, we were talking about when you have three, six inches of rain and saturated soils, it doesn't take a lot of wind to bring trees down, which then in- inevitably bring down a power line. Um, but I would not expect widespread power outages. I think uh, this is an event where we're pretty confident the flooding is going to be our number one concern. And then obviously you're the coast is guys were correctly talking about the tornado threat could be interesting tomorrow, especially if there's, you know, some broken lines or some, some, you know, some of that tropical air starts to surge in when kind of the coastal front um, becomes kind of a, a more of a player. So I don't expect to see a lot of power outage issues. I'm glad because, you know, with Laura's landfall, we still have, I, I had to look last time, I think Southwest Louisiana, I think there's still over a hundred thousand people without power. I think Cameron parish is still like completely, in the dark. Um, and then you're going to have all the damage from Sally, obviously on the Gulf coast. So a lot of the power crews, people don't realize come from the Carolinas to go down there since we have such a big, um, you know, a number of power, uh, line workers here with Duke power being based here, um, are probably down in that area. So you really wonder if we had another power outage, uh, spree like that in the East coast somewhere, how thin would these crews be stretched out across, uh, the Southeast. And one of the things about Laura that, you know, why people wonder why it takes so long. Um, if you look at some of the damage down there, I, I still think, you know, here we are, what, is it going on three weeks this week since uh, Laura, I, yeah. I think. Um, Although time it, is weird this year. Yeah. It, 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 sometimes it feels longer than that, but then it also feels like it's yesterday. But um, I was looking at some of the power crews were tweeting out the images. These weren't just like your standard lines. They were like the high tension, power uh, towers those metal towers were all completely crumpled so those are things that you don't put up in a couple days (laughs) that is a lot of work ahead and um you know for everybody who's got friends or family down there i know you feel like you've been forgotten in this year of crazy news and crazy weather fires 
Um, I think people really have to understand how bad it still is down there in Southwest Louisiana. That's a long recovery ahead. And let's hope that little Invest 90 thing doesn't decide to come up and pay them a visit in five or six days. That would be like horrible. I think up on the uh, outlook we have right now, that's kind of the one <laughs> off of Mexico you're talking about, right? Yeah. The one we kind of wrote off a couple of days ago. <laughs> if you're watching us online, and I'll try to paint this picture for those of you listening uh, onto the podcast as well, too, but we have the uh, National Hurricane Center outlook up on the screen right now. We have three named storms and three areas of interest, and this is the least active we have seen this graph in yeah. the past week or so here in the midst yeah, of hurricane and, season. And, and just James, I worked for Oh, go ahead, Shay. I was going to say, I worked gonna... four years in the Gulf of Mexico, and I learned living down there, don't ever write anything off in the Gulf. That is just like the hot tub of the Atlantic down there. No, you're absolutely right, Brad. Uh, just, a, just a reminder here, we're on the next name we get is the last one in our alphabet. So we have hit 21 named storms if we hit W, and then we get to our Greek alphabet. So the furthest we've gotten is Zeta. I believe that was 2005. And, uh, you know, we still have till November the 30th. So we're, we're, you know, sitting here in the middle of September at the end of our alphabet. And uh, so we'll, we'll see. We may have yet another record to break for 2020. I was trying to remember. Yeah. So in 2005, that was the last time we went to the Greek alphabet. Was that the first time we had to fall back to the Greek alphabet? Yeah, pretty yep. sure that's the only yep. time that happened. I thought so, yep. too. I'm a, yeah, I'm a... I, the, re the reason I remember that so well, I was covering Wilma in Florida. And what people forget about Wilma was there was Alpha was in the Caribbean as well at the same time. And if, uh, if I remember correctly, Wilma plowed through Florida towards the Bahamas and actually sucked in and entrained the remnants of Alpha into its circulation. It was pretty crazy to see this yeah, that's correct. hurricane that's, that did happen. absorb Alpha. And you forget that the Alpha was because you're just like, oh my gosh, there's another storm out there. 2005 was crazy. This year reminds me a lot of 2005, except um, we didn't have as many strong ones making landfall. Thank goodness this year so far. And James, also, I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier today, we have a tropical system in the Mediterranean right now as well. Do I saw that, and I actually thought it was f not your tweet, but I saw a different tweet about that, and I thought, this has got to be fake. That they're, they're saying, it's oh, got I a name. Apparently, yeah, I can't remember the name, but the Greeks actually have a list of names for what they call Medicanes. They get a couple a year, um, and they've got one out there right now. The satellite image was crazy. I'm like, gosh, it's just so active everywhere. We've got tropical systems in the in the Mediterranean now. That's, so that's... The name of it, the name of it is Ionos. Yeah, or Ionos. Ionos, I think is what it's called. But yeah, Medicanes. Um, they, <laughs> they've happened before. They're pretty serious for that area too. I mean, they're they're no joke. They're not uh, even tropical storm force winds in that area for a wraparound system. That is a very serious situation. Uh, let's bring in um, Scotty and Jordan because I think they had something they wanted to uh, discuss uh, involving Tim before Tim might have to peel off. So, Scotty? Yeah, I wanted to get Tim and Brad and, and Shay because Shay's our resident tropical expert. Uh, I want to share a screen here, a tweet that I saw today. This is from Phil Klotzbach. And um, hopefully, can you guys see it? Okay, I think it's up now. But this is kind of showing the 24-hour intensification rates for the 2020 Atlantic hurricanes, you can see Hannah, I see it, uh, Laura, Na uh, Nani, Nana, Paulette, Sally. I mean, all of these storms just ramped up in a 24-hour uh, time frame. I I've seen a little, a few talk on social media about that. Uh, a, this is concerning, I think, for all of us to see this. But what could be leading to this, Brad and, and Tim? What, what do you guys think may be leading to these rapid intensifications? Is it just a crazy year that we're talking uh, 2020 tropics or is there more to it? You know, um, 
I was watching Sally last night and it was weird to see Sally strengthen right close to the shore because it had been sitting there for 24 hours. You figure there's upwelling, right? The water's getting cooler. It was approaching Southwest shear that was like 20 to 25 knots. You're like, so what the heck is causing this thing to intensify? And only thing I can theorize and just looking at, at the, at the shear and the core, cause it was close to radar. That's the only reason you can really look at it was that um, you, you just once again had the eyewall kind of structurally change a little bit right at landfall. And two, that little northeast movement, I think, made it parallel with the shear. Um, actually, it enhanced its outflow. And if you looked at the upper levels, you could see the outflow got enhanced last night, which was venting the storm pretty dramatically. So I think it's a lot of things we don't think about. Oftentimes, people think, oh, there had to be warm water. Sometimes there's structural things in the, in the eye of the storm that change that cause it to just, it's like an engine, the parts all come together and it's able to fully function. And I think that's what happened. East Aeas though, I still will not figure out what the heck that thing was wrapping around the east side that just burst the wind that caused it to flare up. That was something I had I had never seen. So I, I'm, I, I would love, this is gonna be a great thesis project for some grad student to look at these storms because it is, it's just not warm water. You can't blame it on the warm water because in many cases there wasn't warm water there. Yeah, I sometimes the simplest explanation is the best one, and it might just be bad luck this year. I really don't know. Um, because this is not, I, I don't know that I could say that this is a, a multi year trend. Um, I can look at a lot of storms recently that actually weakened quite a bit just before landfall. So I think the situations are always just a little bit different. Remember, Florence went from like a four down to a one right before slamming in. So this is not an everyone thing, but that is concerning just this year, that trend of, of always seeming to, to ramp up. And as we know from, from history, when they're intensifying and they come ashore, they typically uh, are much more damaging than, than the opposite. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd have to agree with Sally, with Brad lining up with the shear and, and the outflow improving for the storm. Um, I tried to look at sea surface temperatures. They didn't seem to cool a lot. You would think that the cool water upwelling would occur as it's slowing down and pushing water up the shelf. But Florence, we have a different kind of a, a shelf, a coastal shelf here. So that water was thrust up onto a shallower body, which happens right off the Florida Hatteras slope. And so you have a, a difference of, you know, a thousand feet to 400 and then immediately goes to about 30 to 50 feet. And then it gets shallower as you head into the coastline. Well, the Gulf is a little bit different. The thermocline is a little bit lower. It's a little bit more gradual as you go up, up slope. And so that upwelling wouldn't be as rapid. But you, you figure with the storm slowing down that it would happen at some point. And so that's kind of anomaly to me. But Laura at least was on the move. It, would, it wasn't slowing down. It was just, it was a pretty, it was a pretty constant forward motion on that. So it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say it was already rapidly intensifying as it went ashore, even before it was going on shore. But it seemed like it got stronger just as it went inland a little bit. Those winds picked up. So very interesting. Let's bring in Jordan. Yeah. Hey, Tim. Uh, this is Jordan McLeod from the uh, North Carolina Piedmont. Um, I, I noticed it looks like the axis of heaviest precipitation right now is kind of along the I-85 corridor. But it looks like, I mean, there's a chance it could wobble, you know, a little bit to the northwest and bring in the I-40 corridor, corridor and, you know, bring in the triad a little bit more into the heavier, you know, bands. What's kind of the upper limits as you see it in terms of you know, flood potential across the triad because this, if it shifts to the northwest, the axis of heaviest rain, we could really be in for a pretty significant flash flooding event in the triad. 
Yeah, good question, Jordan. And a lot of a lot of the recent trends, I've actually, you know, not to throw shade at anything, but the euro, I think, has done a very bad job it, with this storm. Uh, and maybe this is a trend. This is not this podcast to talk about, but um, it has come in line with the other models now. So the euro had been number one slower and farther south. Now it's faster like the other ones and more north and west like the other ones too. So from a Piedmont perspective, that means we are probably going to have that bullseye of heavy rain. And some of the worst case projections, uh, pick and choose your models here, look like six to eight inches. And that's really on the rough side of, of what you would want to see, um, especially in a 12 hour period or a 24 hour period. So plus the farther north and west you go, as you all know here, the, the elevation gets higher. You get a little bit more upslope, um, which would increase the rainfall rate too. So these are not things that we want to see happen. I just think we're going to have flooding no matter what tomorrow. It's just a question of how much and how bad. So right now we're at the preparation point, the, 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 all you can do is wait for it to come on in, make sure you're making safe decisions for your family, hang tight and don't be on the roads when they're rough. Um, you know, clear the gutters if you can, then that, that's about it. By Friday morning, we're probably in pretty good shape unless you live next to a river. Um, but up until that point, it's gonna be pretty, pretty much a wild ride tomorrow night. And it's that uh, river threat uh, that we'll be tracking for uh, several days, even after the rain has moved on through as a, uh, Robbie Monroe from the National Weather Service was uh, telling us a little bit uh, earlier in the show. Uh, Tim, where can people find you in the Greensboro area if they want to track this real time with you tomorrow? Oh, gosh. Hopefully they see too much of me already. But if not, <laughs> um, you can just type my name into Twitter or Facebook. Um, I'm not on TikTok. I don't plan to be, um, but that's okay. So anywhere you want to find me, of course, you can follow me on WFMY uh, every night on Monday through Friday. And uh, our whole team is covering this thing tomorrow. So uh, we'll be with you covering it all the way through Friday morning. Still disappointed I can't get Buckley on TikTok. God. Well, we <laughs> you, you know, I remember we did, uh, I've heard of TikTok casting, but we had Rob Fowler. He was on uh, Snap. So he was Snap casting for a little while there. I don't know if he still does it or not, but TikTok's a new thing. Brad, do your kids have you on TikTok? You're muted. Which means we get to make up the answer. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. love TikTok. No, I, I, yeah, I'm, I am on TikTok. I've actually been on TikTok for a while. And the, and the funny story about being on TikTok is um, I've, I've known about it for a while. I never saw any use for it. But when I would go do school talks, the kids wouldn't ask me what channel I was on. They'd ask me what my TikTok was. <laughs> and so I got a TikTok account and I would give them shout outs on TikTok. And I had a huge following of middle school kids. So um, it was pretty funny. I would just do a little shout out to them on TikTok when I left and uh, they loved it. So um, yeah, I'm on TikTok, uh, WX Brad everywhere. You can find me just about anywhere. I'm not doing a lot of weather there. I do like to post some videos and pictures every once in a while, but um, I'm not much of a dancer, so I'm, I'm not doing any dancing on there. <laughs> uh, I'll throw this one back at you, Brad, too. This is a question that just came in from somebody watching on uh, Facebook Live. This is Jeremy Samantha Adams. Any concerns on dam issues from weak dams from the flood years ago? I don't know what the state of the dams are, weak or otherwise, but I know you mentioned rivers a little bit earlier and you mentioned what Duke is up to. So here's the deal. Most of the, the dams that are managed by Duke and the big ones, they're going to be fine. The ones I always worry about are the privately owned dams that are on like these little retention ponds in neighborhoods um, or on farms. Those are the ones, they're earthen dams. We saw a ton of those fail 
during the, um, the, the middle of a South Carolina flooding um, several years ago. And when Joaquin was off the coast and merged with the front, we saw so many of these neighborhood ponds, uh, their, their dams, their earthen dams fail. So those are the ones you watch because they get saturated and they just fail. There's no concrete or rebar or anything there. But most of the big dams on the Duke and Catawba chains, they're, they're going to be fine. They do a really good job of moving that water. And, and many of them have spillways, which are meant to relieve the pressure so that the dam doesn't take on all that extra, extra force. So I feel pretty confident about the dams, um, that, the big ones. It's the little ones I worry about. Uh, Jennifer York uh, is asking, what type of weather should the Midlands prepare for other than flooding? I think the primary concern, Jennifer, is flooding uh, to uh, and and a little <laughs> a little bit of rotation, especially in yeah. the Midlands. Um, but uh, it's it's that flooding that I think is going to be more widespread. You're going to see more of that. But of course, of course, the tornadoes always catch our attention because of their. And I was going to say, guys, sexiness, but to refer to uh, uh, to to that concern. But um, you know, I, Brad, I think you said it really well before. At least here in the Charlotte area, that the flood concern is fifty times higher than the tornado concern. Might be slightly different for Jennifer in the Midlands. Yeah, maybe a little bit higher. But in, on, in a general given day, when you have a situation like that, the flood and wind threat is always exponentially higher. Um, as you said, tornadoes, I mean, they, they catch people's attention, but even on an active tornado day, the tornadoes are relatively small in comparison to the viewing area. Um, yeah, if you're in the path, it's the worst thing ever, but, um, you know, flooding and wind is going to affect a much larger percentage of the population in the Carolinas. Um, the thing that'll be interesting about the tornadoes tomorrow, and I think we were referencing the soundings down there from the Midlands to the coastal plain, is um, those things will be moving. So any tornadoes tomorrow are going to have some forward speeds that'll probably be in the 45, 50 mile per hour range. So, um, and those tropical tornadoes are tough to warn on as well. So it's good that people are paying attention, but don't count on getting those warnings like you do with a normal setup with some of these, um, you know, severe weather events we have in the spring. I think because of that fast storm motion, you're not going to get a lot of lead time from a warning. Uh, aside from the fact they're hard to warn, you're hard to get a lot of lead time with that. And they're moving fast. That reduces your lead time, too, even when you do get a warning. Uh, Ricky says five points floods every time it rains. And I think I think that's an important takeaway, too, right? It's the areas that normally flood are going to flood tomorrow. It's the areas that don't normally flood that you're going to need to watch for. Uh, and whether you're watching for flooding or you're watching for tornadoes, Great reminder, we have not talked about this up until this point, but have some sort of way to get warnings and have multiple ways to get warnings. So that could be a NOAA weather radio. Uh, that could be a smartphone device. And then, of course, you're going to probably want to take that bulletin then and find a way to get real-time information. Tune in to radio and television, whether that's Tim at WFNY or that's Brad at WCNC in Charlotte or or wherever you are in the Carolinas, right? You're going to want to know uh, where to uh, where to turn. But uh, having multiple ways to receive that information is, is great. And if you do find yourself, for some reason, in a situation without power, uh, having something with uh, with battery backup is is always good. And uh, April Thomas reminding us here in the uh, Facebook chat, more homes have been lost uh, to flooding. And I think that really speaks to our concern for tomorrow because the flooding threat is so high and so widespread across the Carolinas. Just that reach that it is going to have. And it is something that uh, will trickle down if if we were, and we're not, let me be clear, uh, if we were talking about 
mountains in the Charlotte area or in the foothills, all of that that has to flow through the rest of the Carolinas to get back out to sea, fall not only in that area, but across all of the Carolinas, and then still have to flow its way through the watershed, through the rivers and the creeks, and that's why we're going to have that in the uh, the days. But but there is a silver lining in all of this forecast. Uh, which one of you uh, gents wants to have the uh, lovely honor of uh, telling people about the lovely weather that will be coming this weekend? Frank's on my screen. Uh, Frank, mm -hmm. uh, I, I hear fall is coming. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, fall is coming. So much cooler weather is coming. Hopefully it does end up being a really nice weekend, at least for most places. But uh, it's not going to be exactly perfect, at least along the coastal plain. And uh, let me get my screen share going again here so that uh, we can kind of explain uh, why that is. Um, bang the button enough times, it should start working. And there we go. All right, uh, looking at the GFS here, uh, this is uh, uh, the current time here with uh, Sally pushing through, and I'll advance until we get uh, past that. As we go to uh, Saturday here, uh, there is a cold front that's coming in behind Sally, and uh, by uh, the time we get to uh, Friday evening, it should be uh, becoming stationary along or just off the Carolina coast. The problems that we have to deal with here is that there's uh, this front's becoming stationary close to the coast, and uh, also uh, we're dealing with this area of low pressure, this uh, current tropical invest area down the Gulf of Mexico, and that's a potential uh, moisture source for us as well. Looks like that's going to throw some cloudiness up into the Carolinas on Saturday. Uh, the 12Z GFS run uh, was really bullish with the moisture coming north, and it was doing that because it was trying to develop the system down here faster and uh, allowing uh, an upper-level trough that's over uh, Texas currently to uh, send that moisture uh, and more of that system northeastward toward us. And, and actually, if that turns out to be the way things work out, seems unlikely now, but if it does work out that way, then uh, we end up with uh, not such a great weekend. Uh, it ends up being uh, rainy and chilly instead, but uh, it doesn't look like that's the way it's going to work out, but it could be uh, less than sunny, and uh, there might the potential is at least there for Saturday, a little rain along the coast. Now, advancing ahead to uh, Sunday, uh, once again, we may be dealing with some cloud problems depending upon how much of that moisture from the Gulf of Mexico system uh, gets pulled northward uh, by that trough and uh, areas off to our south. It looks as though it does see some rain. But uh, the bottom line, we, we're certain that it's going to be much cooler. Uh, it looks as though temperatures stay in the 60s in the mountains. If we end up uh, cloudier than we expect, uh, then maybe even just 50s. Uh, but uh, outside of the mountains, uh, high 60s and uh, low 70s uh, for the most part, I think, for the Carolina Piedmont and then uh, the coastal plain, mostly 70s. But you do stay in the clouds. Also along the coastal plain, uh, notice uh, on the GFS here, the uh, isobars are packed together pretty tightly. Uh, this tight pressure gradient means that we're going to be fairly windy and uh, we could see winds maybe in the 15 to 25 mile an hour range all along the uh, Carolina coast. That combined with the clouds and, and the fact that we have some unseasonably cool air moving in. Uh, may make it uh, cooler than some people would like. Uh, and if it ends up raining a little bit, it may feel more like no a November day instead. Uh, but again, bottom line, uh, much cooler for the weekend and uh, unseasonably cool, as a matter of fact. Hopefully we can keep uh, the rain at bay even at the coast, but uh, not a guarantee, at least for Saturday there. And uh, once we get past the weekend, uh, it actually looks like several dry days are coming up, so there'll be plenty of time uh, to get the runoff through and, uh, and no more rain events coming, at least in the near future, uh, past uh, at least Saturday. And Frank, just to add, add one point to yours, with this, uh, the tightly packed isobars, 
the pressure gradient is going to be pretty significant along the Carolina coast. So if you're in the maritime environment, be expecting small craft advisories. Uh, we're looking at winds uh, for now along the outer capes, North Carolina, even the outer capes of South Carolina to Winyah Bay, even Charleston beaches. If, this, if there's sunshine pockets, we get this backdoor sea breezing effect, which can accelerate winds. So we could be seeing upwards of 25 to 30 knots. So we might be looking at some gales um, Saturday and into Sunday, especially Sunday is um, going to be probably the windiest of the two, but you never know that initial burst that comes in on Saturday may prove to be uh, equally as strong. So just be aware if you're, if you're you know, thinking about fishing or you're going to go in the water to the beaches, it's going to be cool. We're looking at temperatures possibly in the upper 60s to low 70s on Sunday. It's going to be very windy. It's going to be pretty messy out there. So just a heads up. Yes, indeed. Uh, surf's going to be pretty rough uh, for those of you who will be at the beach. It's not going to be an ideal beach weekend. Uh, mountains, if you don't mind it being chilly in the mornings, looks like a great weekend for the mountains. Uh, cool, crisp days up there, and we should be able to get the sun to pop out at least by Saturday afternoon and uh, probably a good bit of sun on Sunday as well. I was mesmerized by all the tabs you had open while you're presenting your screen. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of them, including this. We talked about the Medicaid. Uh, this is uh, Ianos, is what they've named it. And uh, that looks like it's heading in the general direction of Greece. So uh... I, I do want to say before we wrap, um, Brad was talking, Brad and I was having a conversation about the foothills. I was just, um, I've been out all day at a funeral and I hadn't been able to check up on the models. And I've seen the 18Z stuff come in and, and it seems like that pocket of heavy rain has kind of shifted a little bit to the north and west. So uh, I can't stress enough for the folks who live in the foothills, the Unifor Catawba Valley area, as we've had a lot of rain already this year, and if we do see four or five more inches of rain, I'm afraid we're going to see some some, um, some significant flooding up here. We've already had roads and stuff washed out in Catawba County from a storm about a month ago uh, that produced six, seven inches of rain. So more rainfall for this area is not a good thing. So just be mindful of that tomorrow as you're out traveling. Um, there, it could be a pretty nasty day around the Catawba Valley if, if that that band, heavier band of rain uh, does set up a little bit more over our area. So uh, just be mindful of that. Remember, turn around, don't drown. A lot of roads are, are unstable as we've seen roads wash out already. Uh, that doesn't, that could lead to more washouts. So uh, just be mindful of that and just hunker down tomorrow and we'll get through it. But again, just uh, be, be observant tomorrow if you're in the foothills and you do notice that heavier rain that is falling because we've just had so much this year. And um, our area probably can't take much more rain. It's, it's already saturated enough. So just be mindful if you live in the Catawba Valley. James, over to you. Sorry, that was my little personal PSA. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I appreciate it. It's good information and it's a good segue because uh, you're talking about areas that are in uh, Brad's area. And I want to let uh, Brad give an opportunity to let people know where they can find him and the team tomorrow during the storm. Yeah. Uh, follow us at, at WCNT.com or grab our app. I think, um, you know, I'll give a shameless plug for the app because it is a really good resource in, in this. And we have two apps. We have our weather app and news app. And I always tell people grab both because the weather app's great for alerts and for weather. But when we're live streaming um, or if you want to watch our newscast anywhere, you can just grab the, the WCNC Charlotte app. And um, I've actually, and James can attest to this, <laughs> I actually use our app all the time now because I want to watch the show. I can just pull it up and the stream is right there. So it's actually pretty pretty useful. James is great at pushing those push alerts out as well. Um, and we'll be on social media as well. I think everybody's hit, hit the same thing is just be careful tomorrow. Most people, you know, in, in these flood situations, it's driving, uh, you know, um, people that live near a low line area, they know their house is at risk. It, those people are going to do their um, correct precautions and be prepared. But when you're driving, people tend to 
not know that they're in a flooded area and they drive it's a low spot so just please i uh i cringe at the thought tomorrow of watching video of some car driving into a flooded roadway and you just feel like how many times do we say this <laughs> and it's like but it's bound to happen because people just think it's a, a little puddle and then they realize it's up to their car and as soon as your muffler is underwater guess what happens to the engine <laughs> it shuts down so, um, just be wary of that tomorrow. It might be a good day. If like, you don't have to go out, don't do it. Uh, it's probably one of those days I, I'm going to be uh, working hard here, but if you're at home, grab your uh, coffee, uh, a good movie or a book. And it's one of those days it's going to be kind of a cool, rainy, wet day. I don't know about anybody else working from home, but by the end of the day, my desk is just one, two, three. I have like six either coffee or energy drinks that I've consumed during the day just piled up here that uh, I'll have to. I'll have to tend to. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, coronavirus and this year has come with a very set of uh, complicated uh, situations, many of which have been horrible. If there's any silver lining, and I I was thinking back to the Ryan Vaughn interview we did earlier in the year and about how in their tornado situation, it could have been worse out there, uh, but wasn't because people were home. And that is the one positive takeaway uh, whether it is schools or work, and you are able to do that from home, as frustrating as that may be, it will keep you off of the roads, out of the elements tomorrow. And I will insert a personal PSA to uh, applaud Union County, North Carolina's decision to use the resources at their disposal. But I hope it's not the end of snow days, because children deserve snow days to go out and play in the snow and not have to necessarily have those days taken away by virtual homework in the future just throwing that out there into the universe it's a topic for i think it's a topic for a show to have it probably yeah <laughs> let's put it on the list let's put it on the list uh thanks for joining us uh for the special edition of the carolina weather group you can find us of course streaming live on facebook youtube periscope and twitch uh we also have an audio podcast you may be listening to it right now thank you very much if not please be sure to check that out it is on spotify it is on apple podcast it's on wherever you get your podcast you rate and review us i'm told that helps the apple gods know that you actually like us and recommend it to other people so we would appreciate that uh very very much and uh, with each one of our platforms they each carry something a little extra special so that it's not uh, the same show on every platform so you can check out additional reports uh, that are carried on our audio podcast feed or tropical updates that will come out uh, throughout the week we had one especially on sunday night which actually uh featured uh chris mulcahy from the wcnc charlotte first worn storm team he did a great story last friday about how September and October is when we statistically see the worst hurricanes in the Carolinas for a whole number of reasons. And he went back to the record books. uh, And you can uh, hear that report on our Sunday podcast uh, and the link over to his uh, WCNC.com article as well, too. So uh, shout out to uh, to Chris. And there, hopefully that's an incentive to go check out our audio podcast if you haven't already. So uh, that's going to do it for this uh, special edition. We will have updates for you online uh, throughout uh, the storm and in the uh, flooding risk that follows on behalf of everyone here at the Carolina Weather Group. I am James Briarton in Charlotte. We appreciate you tuning in uh, this evening, and uh, we will see you back here again real soon for more of the Carolina Weather Group.